Hello and welcome to Do It Justice, your local bi-weekly podcast on which a guest speaker and I discuss three ideas all under one umbrella theme, or as I like to call it, Debate with the Main. Thank you for coming back to the 13th episode, or if you're new, thanks for tuning in. I want to give a quick disclaimer that this podcast will discuss mental health, eating disorders and weight loss, so if these are trigger topics for you, this episode might not be your cup of tea. So without further ado, I want to it. welcome back on Millie. Hello. Hello Millie, how are you? What's been what's been going on in your life? Fine. Um, chilling, killing. nothing has changed. Yeah. Chilling. I'm kind of like enjoying um, quarantine right now. Oh, that's a good stage to be at. Yeah, like I'm kind of just like kind of fine with it. Bit nervous to actually get out into real life. Well, th- this is the same for me. Like I'm like quite, a, I would say I'm quite a sociable person, but every time I get in, I say every time I get an invite, like I'm being invited all the time, but when I get an invitation, I get nervous. Yeah, like it's like a big thing. Yeah, it is a big thing. But it's kind of nice because then it means that like when you go out with people, it's novel and you kind of appreciate their company. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, exactly. pros and cons, pros and cons. Pros and cons, pros and cons. So definitely. today we're talking about social media and um the, that, the links that that has to mental health. Um, yeah. we're gonna be we're gonna touch on influencers and whether they have a moral responsibility, um, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna end by talking about the kind of um, issues within Facebook and Twitter at, with false advertisement. So yeah. um, let's talk about um, well, let's just think about this question. So, do you think social media affects your mental health, whether that's positively or negatively? Oh, definitely, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, I think like undeniably um it it definitely does I think the way in which social media we're so all kind of captivated by it um I think it's like 90% of like 18 to 29 year olds have some form of social media and when we are so like yeah like when we're so surrounded by everyone else that we know who has social media it's impossible for our mental health not to be affected I I completely agree I think um, you know, whether it's positive or negative, for the most part, I would argue it is negative. It's going to have yeah, an impact. When, I agree. For most people, like we're spending upwards of one, two, three, four hours on yeah. these platforms. And I don't think we understand the implications, do we? And especially now, if you think about it, in isolation and quarantine and everything, can you imagine, like, I know myself personally, my screen time has gone way up than what it used oh, to be. Yeah, I completely agree. Mine's like a shameful amount. Yeah. Oh my god! Like if I looked at mine now, I think I'd honestly be ashamed. Yeah, my mine the other day, and the I'll explain why it was so bad. But mine the other day was literally eight hours. Like that is horrific. And Libby, you're usually like normally quite low on screen time, aren't you? Yeah, like during school time, my phone would be one 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 two hours, I'd say, and yeah. and stuff that would be like I'm um, looking at schoolwork online. Exactly. Well, I remember that when I literally. I was like, I was like so committed. I don't know why I used to do this. I used to delete Instagram in the week. Okay. Oh. And I used to feel so productive. No, I, I don't know why you said. I don't know why you bashed that because I think that's a really good idea. Yeah. No, I used to. Um, I don't know why, but I'm not bashing it. It's just that now I honestly can't imagine doing it. I, I re- and that's obviously so bad. But um, and I wish I could. But I used to delete Instagram on a Sunday night and re-download it on Friday. And I just felt like my week was so much more productive. Yeah. I kind of felt really, I don't know, just calm, collected. 
it, and it I is, was going yeah. to bed a lot earlier. I completely so agree. It really helped. I so I like would implement that, but I wasn't as um like I wasn't as strict with myself because I just couldn't like I, I didn't have the ability to stay off it for that long. But what I would often do is say I would like delete it from Tuesday to Thursday and then download it on the Friday or something. Yeah. But I think right now the issue is the fact that we don't really have weekdays. So how are we yeah. meant to distinguish between when we're meant to delete it or not? You know? And also, there's nothing else to do, is there? It's like, we can't really say, oh, don't go on social media, when really, what other thing is there to do? And because we can't um, physically connect with our friends, then we turn to, like, virtually, like, look at House Party now, that's so popular. Yeah. Um, I never even heard of that app before, like, isolation no. and quarantine. And then now it's just suddenly blown up. I, I completely agree. But I think something to touch on that you said about the fact that it makes us feel connected is, is quite interesting because arguably oh my bad arguably like we're more lonely than we and obviously lockdown is the reason for that but if we um backtrack to be like you know before lockdown a lot of the times of the weekend we wouldn't go out and see people because we would be connected online and I arguably think that that's made us more lonely than we've ever been yeah probably yeah it will be because we like I remember um at my secondary school, they, they were they kind of touched on this because we feel like we're never we're never really fully alone. Hmm. Like we always are kind of like carrying people with us, like in our pocket. Yeah. Sometimes we feel like we don't need to go see people physically. Yeah. And so then that's when like kind of, you know, like detachment starts to form, even though we are so readily connected with someone. If you know what I mean. I completely agree, and I think it. I think that that's often what leads to people finding social media problematic for their mental health is the fact that you are mm. sucked into this portal where you feel mm-hmm. like you can never leave because there's always something new to see. There's always exactly. someone online active and, and you justify it. You justify, we all justify spending so much time on it because it's like, well, I'm just talking to my friends. Yeah. I mean, I used to like, I think we all justify it, but really we could. I remember I used to say, right, I'm going to delete Instagram, but I'm not going to delete Snapchat because of the group chat. Yes. I was like, I'm not going to, like, yeah. I need the group chat. I need the group chat. Well, we don't really do we. I could text my friend. I could text you guys. I could text the group chat. This is completely it. When I went to France for, I went to France for three weeks with a French family and I just did not want to go on my phone. So I deleted yeah. Instagram and Snapchat and it was the most wonderful time. I mean, obviously... Probably, I remember when you did that. I probably, it was probably the most wonderful time because of the fact that I was in France, but also yeah. the fact that I wasn't on social media was great because it meant that obviously the first day or so I had like FOMO which is fear of missing out but Mm -hmm. then it it got to the point where I was like why have I got FOMO like it's not like I'm going to be able to fly back to England do you know what I mean I physically and it's not like you're literally you're literally in France like you were living it up so what have you got to miss but at the end of the holiday about three two or three days before it ended and I was going back as soon as I got back the next day I went to Leeds Festival and so I was really getting anxious about that and so I, I literally I remember when you posted like I'm back on social media yeah I remember that and then I saw you the next day yeah well yeah exactly but I downloaded it again because I was like really anxious but then but then I deleted it and I, I made a group chat with uh, the four people that I was like 
camping in a, the same tent with and I made mm-hmm. a group chat on WhatsApp and it works just as well but I completely agree with you in the sense that literally the only reason I have kept Snapchat like I occasionally delete Instagram for like an evening or a morning or whatever just because I can't be bothered and I will yeah. just be mindlessly scrolling like I, I think when you delete your social medias and then you download them again it gives you this new lease of like new lease of life with them in the sense you only go yeah. on when you want to go on not just when you're watching tv anyway yeah. um when I like when I want to delete my socials I never delete snapchat because of the fact that we have a group chat and yeah that's where a lot of the plans are made and and, and it, we're, we're, we're quite active on it aren't we yeah like we are it's a, so. I'd say it's a daily thing and it's not like the the things we talk about daily are like that important but it's more that like I get worried that people will make plans on the group chat and then no one will text me outside of snapchat and then also I have this issue of like I don't want to tell everyone I've taken myself off social media because a lot of people see it as like oh she's been a drama queen like she can't deal with it no we should never have to justify I mean I think we should never have to justify taking ourselves off social media taking ourselves off a toxic environment is something that should be praised more not you know like like judged and um and not like scorned it should be praised and we should be encouraged to do it more because if we are like looking after our mental health personally rather than trying to make sure that you know oh I want to see I want to like make sure that I'm invited here I want to see what people are doing like it's so much better to actually like kind of like internally review do we need it and I think it's definitely something that we should have to justify like if you want to delete it delete it go ahead I agree I do agree I think I think I've kind of come through the other side and realized how beneficial it is but I remember Mm. in year 12 I deactivated my Instagram account for like six months just because I just was like I couldn't be bothered with it like I just couldn't be bothered with it yeah and a lot of people when I told them about it or when like I I didn't tell anyone about it because I just didn't see the point like I almost felt as though me telling them about it was like quite like a centre of attention like look what I've done oh yeah look what I've done like I'm so yeah yeah yeah. so I didn't tell people purposely because I just felt awkward that that was going to be the response and when people Mm -hmm. found out about it that wasn't the response but quite a few people kind of said to me like why can't what why like why can't you just deal with it like why can't you just moderate it like why why do you have such an intense problem so I did feel like quite shameful about the fact that I couldn't healthily engage and like use that platform but I just couldn't I just couldn't I was at a point in my life where I was just using it and it was destructive it was a destructive habit no I think it's one of the most responsible things you can do if you because we all know it's an addiction because it's a if you say to everyone like what do you do the first thing when you wake up it will be usually I go to my phone check social media um and said so that is a form of an addiction, something that yeah. you do straight away in the morning. So we are all in somewhat, some way addicted to social media, and this is the most responsible thing you can do. I mean, I, I'm wanting to now, after quarantine, because honestly, my screen time is dreadful, yeah, and it's never been this high. To be fair, I have been like reading, kind of reading a lot on my phone, but oh, that's good. it's even like. Even reading on my phone, I don't like it. Yeah, I only do it when I can't get the physical book. I mean, it's kind of like a running joke with some of my friends from my old school, how bad I am at replying. And that's just because I don't... A lot of the time, I just don't enjoy social media that much. Yeah. Like, I don't actively get any pleasure pleasure out of it. And if it is an emotion, it's probably 
um, an unpleasant emotion that I get out of it. So I'm, I usually am very bad at replying. No, and I, I am sorry about that. But I agree. They know that if if they called me or if they if I was physically there, of course I'll be there to like reply. But it's just the fact that I don't know. I don't think there's there shouldn't also be a pressure to be on social media to reply to everyone. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm I'm the same in the sense that. If you text me, I will reply straight away. Like, I mean, text on yeah. iMessage or, like, you know, normal text. If you Snapchat or Instagram me, it's probably going to take me a day or two to reply because I just exactly. have a mental block. Exactly. And in the, like, I have had so many friends, like, be like, oh, my God, you're so replying. Obviously, in a jokey way. Yeah. Oh, my God, Millie, you're so bad at replying. Like, if I, if I, if you text me, I'll reply, like, straight away. And it's just, well, I just don't enjoy snapchat that much and it's i have to say to them look it's not a personal thing if i'm not replying to you i'm not replying to everybody if you know what i mean yeah it's just the fact that i just sometimes just don't want to go on snapchat and i just don't want to go on instagram I, I completely agree my issue now is the fact that um in the past few weeks instagram for me has become kind of quite an educational platform with the rise yeah. of like um the black uh, black lives matter movement's presence on social media and mm-hmm. so i follow quite a lot of people who post really um educational posts or stuff um, about what I should be reading and, and I'm the same like I kind of repost a lot of the stuff I see or I post my own like stuff so in in that sense I often don't want to delete it because every single time I like I'd say 50% of the time I'm on Instagram I'm learning stuff 50% of the time I'm engaging in like nonsense yeah. stuff so what what do you think about that because for me it really has become a bit of an educational platform I think this is the whole, you know, if you do discuss social media with a lot of people, that's what they usually, a pro, a person in full support of social media will probably say, well, it can be used so well. And it can be, but that shouldn't undermine the danger of it too. Like, if, of course, it's such an educational platform, but at the same time, we have to remember that probably, if you if you do a pro and cons list, the cons will more than definitely outweigh the pros, I believe. Uh, I, because I, I agree, yeah. And so we should not lose, like, we shouldn't kind of ignore the, that fact. We should, okay, like, I appreciate how educational it can be, but at the same time, maybe it'll be useful for me to take some time off social media because although I may be educating myself, I could maybe find different ways to educate myself that, won't harm my social, uh, won't harm my mental health in, at the same time. For sure, you know like I mean. that was literally the, the, the next thing I was going to say is that maybe it's almost shameful the fact that my the biggest um, thing in my life that's educating me is social media and and it, it, one if I took time off social media I'd have more time to educate myself. But exactly. Two, everything on social media is like uh, been trickled down from books and programs and speeches and stuff like this so it's not like I don't have access to it so realistically that's not like a big excuse it's just I think it's because of the fact that on Instagram when we see these educational posts it's snippets and it's easy to digest and mm-hmm. easy to read exactly and so in that sense we can't really blame ourselves for liking it because obviously it's an easier way to educate ourselves I mean when you think about it as well it I'm not going to say I don't want um, to kind of undermine the educational use of social media, but it's almost you go on onto Instagram. And I think a lot of the time you go on Instagram for a form of entertainment, yeah. for a form of anything. 
or any social media platform. It's like we are having to educate people. Um, a lot of activists are having to say, I know that you're not on here for this, but please look at how bad this is. Yeah. So Because because we're not being taught about it elsewhere. We're not being taught about it elsewhere. But if we actively look elsewhere for resources and if we actively like read books away from social media, I think that shows more of a commitment than people having to say, can we have your attention, please, on on this, which isn't really meant, well, which isn't really, you know, designed for this, although it is part of, like, you know, some, like, so it is part of social media, but they're having to kind of, like, inject, you know, activism and, like, political kind of speculation within a social media app because that's where we spend most of our time. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think that... Um, I think Instagram as a educational platform should be used almost as like a stepping stone. And yeah. so like these keywords we see, um, like I, I remember I reposted something to my story and it was like keywords to research if you want to understand a systemic racism. And it was like that, mm-hmm. that was a gateway kind of thing. But at the same time, a lot of people are kind of capitalising on their platform to speak about the stuff because they know that they have an audience. So in that way, mm-hmm. I can't really argue with that because at the end of the day, if, if people are going to listen, that's great. But like for me I shouldn't be using the excuse of well I need to stay on it like I realistically but then I also have major guilt because now I've been involved in this kind of activism and I've kind of used my platform and been a lot more vocal than I've ever ever really been now I feel guilty that if I delete the Instagram app people are just going to think I'm being silent on any of the current issues well no because you're not you're not stepping away from any activism and you're not stepping away from the movement. You're simply going to further educate yourself. Um, I mean, you know, like all the posts, like I remember that one post, it was like um, nine African-American women um, I wish I was taught about in school. Yeah. Do you remember that? I I had such a deeper kind of like um, appreciation for that post because my history coursework was on like two of those women that were mentioned. Yes, I remember you like Fanny Lou Hamer and Ida B. Wells. So I felt so kind of I'm not gonna say but I did feel like I had a lot of knowledge of of them. And that's why I think that really going out and finding different resources like I wrote I just can't remember how many words it was now. I think it was like three thousand five hundred words. Two thousand five hundred words or really like a my NEA was on those two individuals and their impact on the African-American civil rights struggle and like up to the 1960s. So for me, having that knowledge outside of social media allowed me to appreciate the discussion on social media more so do you rather think, than simply learning from social media. So do you think the activism on social media should be the cherry on top of, of, the, yes, of exactly. the root of your activism in your actual life? Exactly. I think... We owe ourselves, if we are seeing something, some things that interest us on social media, I'm not saying that we shouldn't learn from um, like Instagram or Twitter, yeah. but we have an obligation, I believe, to look elsewhere as well. And in, in, in doing so, like we'll support other things in doing so. Like If you believe that you want to learn more about African-American history, then you can go, about, go and buy a book written by an african-american and you're like you are supporting so many different branches of resources i just think it's so valuable i agree and on the topic of supporting and um 
promoting stuff should we move on to the next one about whether influencers so the the question we're posing to ourselves is should influencers only promote products they actually like or support so Mm -hmm. what, what do you think I don't know like for me when I first kind of thought about it it wasn't straight away an outright no um I think I would say no from a majority but it wasn't an outright no because I thought about well in a let's say if I have a job in a supermarket um that's a job and it is their job as well we can't deny that do I have to make sure that every action that they're taking or every action that um I am assisting with to the wider company is that in line with my morals like do I agree with that and I think a lot of the time people aren't as actively involved in the running of a business or anything in like line with their morals so I'm not sure if we can expect the same thing from influencers like can we expect them to fully appreciate a project product when we necessarily don't do the same in everyday work. I think that's a very interesting point you make because of the fact that at the end of the day, a lot of these social media influencers, that is their job, isn't it? And so Mm -hmm. they've got to make money one way or the other. I personally disagree because whilst it's very, you know, I I appreciate these people who are self-made a lot of the time and they've kind of gained their platform organically. They've, you know, gained all these... um, followers through like hard you know arguably hard work of grafting etc etc it's all really relative Mm -hmm. isn't it to hard work but I just think it's morally like I just think it's immoral because of the fact that a lot of these influencers can see the demograph the demographics of their profile and they can see that a lot of these people are very underage young girls so if we take for example um I mean Kim Kardashian she isn't solely um an influencer but just for argument's sake let's just take her she promoted those um skinny lollipops or whatever they are yeah the appetite suppressant lollipops yeah yeah exactly and i mean actually she she is a bad example because that's not her only source of income so let's just say there's an instagram model i don't i, I can't think of any specific name they've well, got the, the, there's always like this flat teeth um like flat stomach teeth and yeah. things like that so let's just say you've got a influencer who's got you know 500k um and that their only money comes from advertisements and they advertise these diet pills these diet lollipops these diet teas etc which mm-hmm. scientists or you know nutritionalist people have proven is that they're that they're bad for your health how can they mm-hmm. morally justify promoting them to audiences yeah. that are 18 and below when they've not even finished yeah. developing their own body and they don't understand the implications of of taking these stuff at such a young age mm-hmm. yeah I, I do I agree that it is I don't believe it's solely their responsibility though I think um they shouldn't be doing it in the first place, but clearly they are still doing it. So, um, in while whilst they are doing it, I think a lot of other people who are involved in social media have a, a bit of responsibility for that as well. So, like, if there is a child on social media and they are seeing these posts of, like, flat stomach teas and, like, everything, like, skinny coffee or whatever it's called, yeah. um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of steps that it take that it, kind of like responsibility has kind of been passed to these people when really it could have been stopped like oh a parent can kind of 
oversee the social media use of a 13 year old girl or um, a parent has an obligation to maybe like teach someone about a healthy diet um, like don't really and like a good um, body image good like body confidence I think so I think there's a lot of like point. there's a lot of like points of responsibility that have kind of been relinquished to allow this influencer to have the sole responsibility yeah of the mental health impact of a 13 year old girl I think there's a lot of things that kind of have been bypassed to allow that social that influencer to have that impact and if the, you know what and I mean the, yeah and the blame falls on their shoulders like no one else is yeah for it. I think some responsibility falls on the actual company for knowing what they're doing exactly immoral and it doesn't work and and it just is like really bad for people's health I think a lot of the time it also comes down to the company to educate the influencers who are taking on these deals about the exactly. implications of the products and also I think I think that I think the point you made about you know education within like the within like full-time education and also at home is really important because Mm -hmm. body image we do get a lot of our ideas about body image from our parents or from our carers or whoever is looking after us with the language they use I saw a TikTok the other day and this girl was talking about how her mum had never ever assigned a positive or a negative to food um, and she'd never Mm -hmm. complimented her body when it was to do with just the um physical like what it looks like almost attributes Mm -hmm. but instead she'd use language like wow you're so strong or wow you ran so quick you're so healthy and strong Mm -hmm. like or instead of saying wow you look slim or that dress looks that dress oh you look so skinny yeah Yeah. because it's unfortunate but it's quite a generational thing but say for example sorry I've got a cold my mum I've always been quite slim and then when I went through puberty and I naturally gained weight like I noticed that I would not be told, oh, you look really slim as much mm. or as often. And you just notice it subliminally, subliminally you know, yeah. it's not a conscious thing. And it, I don't think it's a conscious thing on my parents' end either. I don't think that they're purposely doing that to mess up no. my body image. But I think at the end of the day, a lot of people don't realise the um, effects of their language. And so I don't know whether we can say, like, I think maybe it needs to be a whole society-based kind of movement in the sense of talking about body image and gaining weight and how to healthily lose weight and how to healthily stay fit because, like, it is an issue. I still have girlfriends who genuinely believe, like, the way, like, kind of the way to lose weight is to just like stop eating when in reality you stop eating you lose weight for a month and then as soon as you start eating a natural healthy balanced diet again you gain all that weight back Uh, exactly I I mean it's interesting that you were kind of discussing like the parent thing because I had to have this is probably I don't know if it's a bit too much information but we'll go with it but um I had to have a conversation with my mum and it was like every time I'd come down in an outfit or anything, she'd go, wow, like, you look so good. Like, you look so slim. Mm. And I had to say to her, I had to say, can you, like, just... I don't want any comments about my body. Yeah. Because, like, I don't I don't mind if they're negative, if they're positive. Although they're coming from such a, like, a caring place, mm. like, it just kind of... I don't know. It, it just kind of, like, they were having a much bigger impact on me than I think she was realising. Yeah. Um, and I had to kind of say to her, like, look, I just don't, like, say anything. Like, I just don't want any, like, any comments at all. And I know that you're only doing it to because you think that I look nice or you're only doing it because, like, you're my mum. But 
I just I just don't want any more comments and she was like yeah that's fine and she was totally understanding of it it's, she didn't think I was being like too sensitive or anything and immediately I felt so like if I was going downstairs or anything I would be like oh like she's not going to make a comment or oh I like what you're wearing or she would say more like meaningful things like that yeah. girl and it just it, it was so much better for me because it's when I mean it's almost like social media in that way I kind of removed myself from a situation in which there was like constant speculation over like body image and it was like so refreshing I found and I, but I also even think it comes down to the way um you know as um, a female I looked up to my mum for kind of um the way she dressed the way she held herself mm-hmm. and, and so it would be it would, di- it would be different if you were a male but yeah I would look up to my mum and it would, it, it's interesting the way that she would speak about herself and the implications that had on me because yes. that yeah could also be detrimental because you know when we get older naturally um like we're not going to be as like say for example if we if we take um skin on our face we're naturally going to have lines where we've smiled and where we frowned but like Mm -hmm. I've never noticed that that's an issue I've never even noticed it on my mum myself but through her making comments about it I've noticed it and now I'm just worried about that when I get older and I stop noticing lines on my face all I'm going to hear is that rhetoric in my head yes I mean my mum she's the worst like um she'll be like oh god look how middle-aged like my body looks like oh like look how fat I look and it's just that if you grow up with that kind of um but I again that is whole like in that kind of branch into like internalized misogyny doesn't it as well um Mm. and it's that whole wider discussion about body image so that's why I think that is just not we can't say influencers it's you like it's down to you that we have really bad like body image and it's really it's down to you because there are so many other points of responsibility that we have in a wider in wider society yeah and i'd i'd say i'd argue really that from the age of 14 15 16 i kind of realized that the products that they were selling were fake and oh, that they God, didn't yeah. work so that's why i was kind of thinking like is it fair for me to say, oh, don't be so, like, silly, like, clearly they're not going to work? Yeah. Because maybe there are people that seriously believe that. Because um, I knew from a very young age, like, when I was on social media, like, they're just, this is simply money for them. That's yeah. it. I, I was kind of able to distinguish that they don't actually um, have a genuine interest in this product. Yeah. And I've never even, I've never bought anything from an influencer. I don't know anyone who has. No, nor do I. But I, I think that you raise a good point in the sense of like age and, and stuff like that because maybe it's it's down to putting an age limit on Instagram I mean technically isn't there an age limit anyway but people just lie I think it's like is it like 13 yeah I don't it, know. I or is that Facebook I don't know oh yeah I think that might be Facebook but either way like I think that realistically a lot of, like say for example if we take Kim Kardashian there's no way she drinks those flat tummy teas because I said no. to you earlier we are they she's got a personal trainer behind the scenes mm-hmm. she's got a personal chef she spends half of the day looking at herself and making sure she looks good like th- that yeah. is her lifestyle so there's no way mm-hmm. that if you drink that tea you're going to look like her because it's it's like out of this world like um it's completely two, it's polar opposites you're not you're it's just not yeah. a reality and I, I just think that when you get to a certain age you realize that but it's it's harmful for those girls I, I, and I do think it is specifically targeted at girls because I've never seen any um I, I mean 
that's probably because the um, timeline is customised to me, but I, I've never heard of any, like, mm. boy advertisement things about them taking stuff to make them skinny, you know? No, I mean, maybe there's, like, I don't know, like, workout things. I don't know. Or supplements but, and stuff, yeah. Yeah. I mean, was your, like, my social media was never kind of, like, monitored by my mum or dad. Like, I never had any kind of restraint on it. It was open. I kind of was my, I was quite autonomous on it. I, I was in control of what I wanted to see and what I didn't want to see, even from a really young age. Yeah, I was, I had the same um, kind of autonomy over what I was viewing and stuff. But I was restricted. Like when I was younger, I was like, my I got my phone taken off me usually when I came in from school, um, and like my parents were quite strict about that. Which I, arguably, I think it's made like it's. I think it's shaped a lot of my habits today because I do beat myself up a little bit if I'm on social media too late in the night or if I go on it straight away in the morning. And I do think that's to do with the fact that my parents have always enforced quite rigid mm. structures around social media and using phone usage but I completely agree that there was no like filter on what I was allowed to view and stuff Mm, there was I mean I had my phone right on my bedside table I mean I never got my um phone taken off me and I would never like it was never used as a punishment um anything but at the same time I kind of in that way I think I knew that it was bad like I knew that, you that had I did full, full access. I I knew because I had full access to it. I was like I don't I, I don't want to be going on any like weird like areas of social media, but I knew that it wasn't good to spend all day on it. And again, I think I'd kind of grown up with that thing where I feel bad if I spend too much time on it. And I think that's good. I think it's good that we feel bad about it. Yeah, I, I mean, it's good. Like that, I literally I vividly remember. Um, in like year eight or year nine where there would be times where my mum would forget to like take my phone off me and so I'd have mm-hmm. it into the night and like I would it would come to like because I used to go to bed really early literally like eight or nine o'clock I mean I still do go to bed that early but um, yeah. a lot of my peers would be going to bed at 11 and 12 and I would be up at like 10 and then I'd I'd feel guilty about it for like being yeah. on it that long so I, I think I don't know, I think it depends. And I know a lot of friends who were never given any boundaries and so they're on their phones until early morning. And I do think it's interesting to see the difference between healthy habits and negative habits. Like I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and like absolutely like um bash them because at the end of the day they're they are their own Mm -hmm. person. Like a lot of the people I'm talking about are eighteen. If they wanted to have healthy habits, they would. They they do you yeah. know what I mean? So I do think also a lot of it is just the fact that like they want to do it and that's what works for them. But um, yeah, I think the way your parents monitor and, and control your phone usage when you're younger can influence the way you, you the relationship you have with when you're older. Mm. Okay, so let's move on to kind of having a general discussion about how Facebook and, and also Twitter have had a past of refusing to take down um, false mm-hmm. information. So um, there was an issue recently with... Um, Zuckerberg basically Facebook had put up propaganda during the elections I believe and mm-hmm. obviously for a lot of people Facebook is like I like I, for me on Instagram it can be a source of education and um, but when it comes to like p- political stuff it can be quite problematic can't it when it's not monitored definitely I mean they refuse to basically fact check um yeah. political propaganda didn't they mm, yeah. and that was like slammed and scorned by the democrats 
and then it was like supported by Trump Trump's administration saying oh no they don't have to fact check so that clearly kind of gives some insinuation of what's going on but I just thought that they have I mean Twitter they decided to fact check and remove kind of a lot of um false political speculation um and I think that was the right step although the Democrats though people who are calling for um fact checking to happen they're still not calling for the ending of ad targeting so they still want ads to be targeted to like specific um people like people so I'm not sure if like there's a very fine line between what they want and what's kind of right I believe I I agree and I think at the end of the day like (laughs) we saw that you sent or someone sent in um uh, an advertisement that popped up on your feed of like a peer who um, had paid for advertisement yes. <laughs> <laughs> we thought it was quite comical um I mean you know good on them getting there getting them out there but I think good on, oh god please don't expose me but yeah yeah um, but I think at the end of the day like when it comes to politics and stuff like that that's like for a lot of people you know we hear, hear the phrase that politics is life and death life or death for a lot of people and so I think it can be extremely like we're not talking like you know it's one one thing about false advertisement about products for body image and stuff but politics is a really big thing in our lives and especially say within the UK um you know we we've got a is it we've got a democracy or we've got a democratic government right and but if we have false advertisement you're kind of it's kind of going against that because false um, information is just as bad as no information exactly and I think I mean go on well no, it's just like one thing that I think about though is that because we shouldn't be like oh Twitter like they're fact-checking let's turn to them for like political speech mm-hmm. so we're going to get away from you know potentially fake political um like facts that are being used as like propaganda yeah but th- there's also a danger in like fully relying on a thing for um for truth such as like if we relied on twitter for purely political truth we're not going to get that anywhere there will never be a social media platform that will be fully genuine there will never be a news truth. platform that's fully genuine exactly so it is just like this constant search for trying to find truth and re- when really do we not need to again it's that whole point of like education should we really be using social media as yeah. our main um as our main kind of like political influencer should we really be doing that or do we have an obligation to go out and look at the party manifests and look at that so then we can say well actually although that could be true although that could be fake I still want to believe this because I've read about it somewhere else I completely agree it's about putting in the effort and doing your research elsewhere I mean yeah do you remember I don't know whether you were there but I had a debate with Sadie and Lily about um the negative effects of the fact that on Twitter, it's a, like, for the vast majority, it's a very left-wing platform. Oh, yes, I remember it was on, um, it was in lunchtime, wasn't yeah. it? And they were yeah. arguing that it's negative and it has negative implications and um, it's not, like, right because every kind of political, um, political opinion should be represented and also there's a lot of false advertisement etc so they just found it quite problematic and I can understand where they're coming from but Mm -hmm. I argued at the same time so if we say sorry if we say for example like um 
in most most newspapers are owned by this big organisation. I can't remember the name of it, but it's a big organisation which is funded by a lot of right-wing people, right? And so if mm-hmm. we know that a lot of our newspapers are funded by this right-wing organisation, then arguably a lot of the information from these newspapers is going to be biased for to favour right-wing politicians, etc., mm-hmm. right? Um, but majority of people who read newspapers are kind of, I'd say, those who pay for it are those who are a little bit more, have got more money and um, have got more time on their hands to read it so they're not working like long um shifts etc and also i'd say it's people from the ages of like 25 upwards right yeah i mean and there's not a lot of um younger people that i wouldn't actively go out and buy a newspaper no exactly so that's that demographic right of like that sort of people and they're getting fed a lot of right-wing stuff yeah Mm-hmm. Then we have the Twitter platform, which is for people from like 15 to 25, right? And that is being fed a lot of biased left-wing stuff. Left-wing. What is the difference? Because people don't have a problem with newspapers, but they have a problem with Twitter. I think we're always... Newspapers are something that's like embedded, like the British press is like famous internationally for being so ruthless and hardcore and corrupt at the same time um but twitter we're always going to get some kind of um i don't know some kind of negative opinions on it because of how not well one how new it is to a lot of the older generation simply can't understand it. And when they can't understand a platform like that, they're going to scorn it, aren't they? Yeah. And they're going to say, oh, you kids, like, what are you on? Like, you don't really misinformed, know. Misinformed, etc. Misinformed yeah. information. When actually they probably don't realise that there's um, official news organisations who are publishing on it. Yeah. Um, three, I think that there's always going to be some form of... I mean, in anything, there's always going to be something that's some that some strata of society will disagree with yeah but twitter specifically it is very youth dominated i'd like to say um yeah and something in which you know the youth has control of and kind of can manipulate what is seen and like what is kind of um reposted liked then it's always going to intimidate and it's a very powerful tool twitter is like it's if you go on there you are quite overwhelmed by how powerful it is um and I'd like the two features you just said about Twitter is the fact that it can be easily manipulated, right? And mm-hmm. it's got a big platform, both of which Definitely. newspapers have. And so I completely understand people's issue with Twitter being biased or flooded with left wing stuff, if that's not your thing. For me, that's my thing. I mm-hmm. like being informed about left wing opinions and things that people have said and arguments against right wing stuff because that's really mm-hmm. where I fall on kind of the political spectrum, right? So I can understand that people don't I like that, but at the same time, I think newspapers largely misinform or misconstrue, mis- mis- um, mm-hmm. like basically misconstrue, misconstrue, and misinform, and like have a very biased opinions on stuff. And so I just think, well, I, I can't. If you don't like one, you you can't you can't like you can't dislike yeah, one and not I the other. I fully agree. Yeah, I fully I fully agree. I mean, we all know. I remember being taught in primary school, like, um, broadsheet newspapers, and then you have the, um, the different kind of, like, what are the, what are the other ones called? Broadsheet and... Tabloid? No, I don't know. Tabloids. Oh, is that, yeah, yeah, tabloids. 
and we were always kind of taught that like poor sheets are more reliable and like they're more trustworthy whereas the tabloids not really and obviously tabloids aren't reliable at all but we were kind of ingrained with this like trust of broadsheets yeah from a very early young age and so when but actually nothing is nothing nothing we can fully put our trust in until we do our own research that's why i think it's so important to like i spend a lot of time on um news outlets but then i'll go on to like different kind of like charities or um different kind of organizations in which i can kind of from all that information i can go and put my own individual view and that's the most powerful thing not like listening to twitter or listening or and disagreeing with newspapers or reading newspapers and disagreeing with twitter it's using all of the resources and just like coming yeah. together no i completely agree and i think arguably that's what people that's why people find twitter quite problematic because for a lot of people like i've admitted to instagram how it's sometimes um, my only source of information about certain stuff it can be problematic when that's the only point of view you're being provided with but at the same time you've got the issue of Say, for example, we take the Metro, which is the free newspaper, right? Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people, like, you're going to... I got... My grandma told me off for using, like, classes because apparently it's quite outdated. It's not very PC, but if we look at people who are from a lower socioeconomic background, right, Mm -hmm. um, they're not going to want to pay £2 every day for a newspaper, so they're going to grab the Metro, and the Metro is quite biased to write stuff. And if they're not getting their Mm -hmm. education from anywhere else, how can we blame them for having such a biased point of view and for not understanding the the full scheme of things? Yeah, yeah, well, definitely. I mean, but on the same time with the Metro, um, it's it's a free newspaper that's regularly given around, um, like, train stations, isn't it? Yeah. Um, So... There's a lot of people, like I know in like London, there's a lot of commuters that will probably have quite high paying jobs that's in like the Canary Wharf and everything. Mm. So again, it's all very, that's the thing. It's just, it's all very targeted. It's all very engineered. And I feel like people sometimes ignore that and are quite ignorant to the fact of how engineered everything that we read is. Yeah. I think the biggest takeaway from this this uh podcast episode is the fact that you've got to do your own research outside of it whether it's to do with um products that people are promoting whether it's to do with information you see um Mm -hmm. or like even like when it comes to the life that people portray on instagram is that their reality don't think so Mm. i mean also like even i think like didn't facebook say that they wanted to keep the reason why they kept all the propaganda in is because they wanted to um wish to they want people to hear from those who wish to lead them, warts and all. I mean, I wouldn't say that factually incorrect things is a wart. I wouldn't regard it as a wart. I think it's quite, like, misleading um, and serious. I wouldn't call it a wart. But at the same time, they they are kind of handing over the responsibility, saying, look, it's not our responsibility. Maybe you should do some research as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's valid. Because... I mean, it's, it's still valid, but it's still, like, God, like, Facebook realise how much responsibility you actually do yeah. have and how much you influence. And like you say, Twitter and Facebook are very powerful platforms and with mm-hmm. power comes responsibility. Anyway, um, I think we should tie it up there. Thank you so much for mm-hmm. coming on again, Millie. No, it's all right. Once again, you provided um, many, many insights. Is that the right phrase? <laughs> Countless <laughs> insights into yeah. the world of social media. Um, 
but yeah thank you for spending some time with me today if you guys enjoyed make sure to check out my former episode with millie which spoke about politics again and feminism and all that good god we love politics don't we we do love a good bit of politics anyway um i'll love you and leave you i'll speak to you later right see you later au revoir so that was Millie Bow. You can catch her on Instagram, Millie X Bow. You can also catch the podcast on Instagram. It's Do It Justice Podcast. If you enjoyed, please make sure to give it a share on your social medias. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the end and stay safe.